Namaste, this is Maya Tiwari with another episode of Women's Power to Heal Mother Earth. For the past 35 years, since surviving ovarian cancer, I have been teaching the global work of health, healing, and self-peace. I am the director of the Mother Om Mission, which brings free Ayurveda and yoga services to at-risk communities in New York's inner cities. I'm also the founder of the Wise Earth School of Ayurveda, the first of its kind in North America. Today we continue our exploration of healing ancestral memories. The practices we can imbibe that are very simple to help us to heal those memories, those imprints within our own behavioral pattern carried through our genome, our genetic composition. It is important that we awaken this knowledge of the role ancestors play in our daily lives. The ancestors can be both the source of hardship as well as the remedy. Every time we make the dharmic decision, meaning right choice, when faced with our inherited patterns that do not serve us, we elevate both ourselves and our ancestral spirits. We are in dire need of their blessings and protection today. Let us enjoin each other, the world across, to awaken the cosmic awareness of our ancestors first and foremost. In so doing, we can follow three steps, very simple steps, that will not take a lot of time except it will require a shift in thinking, a shift in our awareness. This awareness is about remembering our ancestors, bringing them back into the fold of our daily lives, into the fold of the lives of our children, so that we can once again receive the incredible, inimitable aid and blessing and protection that we so need from them. Many of our ancestors, most almost all ancestors, have created havoc in the past, have had their own set of challenges. Many were perpetrators, many were victims, many were both. What happens is we carry these imprinted memories within our cellular tissues, our cells, our memories, our dhatus, our vital tissues, as we call it in Ayurveda, and they have helped to pattern the way we respond to situations, most of which, in some way or another, our ancestors have faced. And so whatever has not been resolved within their cosmic makeup, we have inherited that and we carry it. So I said we'll go through a three-step, very simple process that helps us to shift 
into an awareness that includes our daily homage to ancestors. A huge part of the cosmic makeup is our ancestral memories for all of us. In the Vedic tradition, we call the ancestors Petrus. Petrus means not just my ancestors, but all ancestors. You may not know your, all of your ancestors, or you may know them, some of them, or of them. You may have been adopted. You may not have the bloodlines running fluently or knowingly. It doesn't matter. Whoever your ancestors are, they know who you are. And also, in the Vedic culture and in most ancient and or native cultures, we honor the elders always. Everyone's elders is an ancestor to us. Our gurus and great spiritual masters are also elders to us. So it is not just about bloodlines. It is about the masters and goddesses and devis and shaktis and energies that have shaped us, helped to shape who we are today. In the remembrance practice, I recommend that we set up a small altar, meaning a simple table, that can have a picture of an ancestor or an elder that is close to you or that have meaning for you. A vase, flowers, we can have herbs there that we put onto the altar, but let us not allow it to collect dust and cobwebs. We need to clean that altar every day. A simple little decorative cloth of natural fiber would be great. A candle or a ghee lamp, a light is very important. Incense sticks, a Pao Santo stick, the pine stick, uh, white sage, white sage and lavender dried. We could smudge that space. Every ancient tradition has smudged and used it to remove, to change the vibrational field around us and to remove any toxic elements that surround. This in and of itself, this remembrance, brings the ancestors so close to us, to our aid. It's the call that we call them without so much of a physical prayer or word. We keep that altar in the south section of a room or in our home, towards the south. We will be facing, uh, we will be facing that altar that's sitting in the south area of our home. South is called Dakshina in Sanskrit, and that is where our Vedic ancients have advised us that the spirit of the ancestors come through the opening, the conduit from the southward direction. That is very good to know. In Vedic architecture, we take that into consideration as well when we are constructing an, a new home or renovating an old one. So setting up the altar means that daily we are going to 
offer something, a flower, a herb, incense, keep it clean, some water, change the water daily. That is very important. Now we will get to our next very simple practice for the ancestors, nourishing the ancestor. They do not have a physiological body or a need with agni or digestive system and therefore nourishing and feeding them is more the energetic purpose of placing some food on that altar. If you haven't managed to set up an altar, at least have a dedicated very small bowl, no more than two or three inches wide, that you can put some of the food you're preparing before you imbibe it, before your family imbibes it, a little bit of that food in that small container, a small bowl. It can, can be brass, can be earthen, can be uh, a piece of pottery, uh, anything that speaks to you, but it will be a dedicated bowl for the offering to your ancestors. And in your own language, in your own words, it does not have to be a Sanskrit mantra. You could just recite, I offer this nourishment to you, my ancestors. May you be healed. May I be healed. May my family be healed. Something as simple as that. Make up your own words, your own sentiment, and your own intent. That is so powerful. And please make sure, absolutely sure, that what you're offering the ancestors is completely vegetarian. Even if you're not a vegetarian person, only offer the vegetarian portion of the meal you're cooking. We can talk about that later, but it has to do with ahimsa. It has to do with having no violent energy anywhere around the altar. It is from the Vedic tradition. It is. It was from many ancient traditions that they did that. And there were also many native traditions that offered the sacrifices of an animal and so on. But I believe we have come into a time in our world when we can no longer partake in the hurtful practices of slaughtering our animals for any reason whatsoever. I think we have gone past the time when we can trade well with the spirit, the animal spirit, and we can trade even fairly with them in the hunt. So let us forget about that. At least uh, I shan't go deeper into that. That's an entirely different topic, which we'll continue to explore in the work I do in Ahimsa, which means non-violence, non-hurting, don't create hurt, don't hurt others, don't have do unto others, and also our karmic legacy. Look, we're dealing and talking and exploring the ancestral bedrock here on earth because we need their help. We need their protection. And we also need them to heal, their spirits to heal, because until they do, we continue to feel their suffering. Also, we have to be able to grow into sentiency, into awareness, into consciousness. 
and we are not able to get past certain behavioral patterns no matter how much yoga we do or meditation or whatever because we're not bringing the awareness to that focal point, that precise point where we could prescind any of the negatives that have been stuck in our cellular memory that have been pushing into our behavioral patterns and that have been fast-forwarding responses that are negative, that keep us in a negative spin. So basically, this brings me to the third simple practice, and that is the practice of awareness. This is by far the most important, but of course, the preliminary steps to getting here help us to strengthen, to build, to make solid that effort so that we can shift into the awareness of our ancestors. Mind you, it's been centuries since our cultures and worlds, uh, from the time that we opened the oceans and from the time that we've built railroads and roads and transportation and air traffic and all of these things, we've lost not only as a result of such mobility and movement, but we've lost our awareness of Mother Earth and with that, the ancestral climb, the ancestral environment that is part of Mother Earth. Every tree is our ancestor as well. Every tree has a memory of our ancestors. Every forest has a memory of some of our ancestors. Not all forests know all ancestors, but basically every forest knows some ancestors because they live there. Every mountain knew of the ancestors, some of them. Every river held the feet of our ancestors. So basically... Nature is also our primordial ancestor and our other primeval ancestor is the lineage, the bloodlines, or those who have influenced our lineage uh, into whom we have become. So this awareness is so pivotal and it is the point that I said yesterday where in the last episode of the ancestral healing, ancestral memory patterns. Um, that episode, I talked about starting the Living Ahimsa World Tour, creating these exquisite peace mandalas uh, made of nature's organic seeds and, and grains so that we can touch earth again, so we can come back to Mother Earth so that we could remember Ahimsa, so that we could bring our ancestors back into the fold. And then some very difficult things happened in my own personal life, challenges that were relentless that lasted for over a decade. And I was thrown asunder and kept adrift in, in, in mega manifold layers of 
of an environment created by uh, these challenges and then came to the understanding that with all of the work that I've done to revive our memory of ancestors and I would imagine and I would think that I was the first that started to re-invoke this work in the United States through my conferences and programs uh, more than three decades ago, that the need to, to bring back that awareness was so well known to me. And yet this pivotal piece, this incredible essence where it all simmers down. And I'm sure those years of work, years of helping so many men and women come back to the wellness and, and the healing and the health and well-being of, of bringing ancestors back in their awareness has helped me to arrive at a point where through a massive influx invasion, I should say, of incredible challenge, which were violence, uh, absolute violence towards my physiological and psychological body, that sort of environment pivoted me in a huge leap into the key awareness that we must hold on to, and that is in our response. I remember a shaman a long time ago, and I don't remember his name, but I was in Boston with the Kushis at the time, at the Kushi Institute, with my good friend Aveline Kushi, and I remember meeting a shaman there who told me that he would he would absolutely get so angry with his ancestors and have these almost violent verbal outbursts against them. And I thought to myself, that, is, that could not be productive. But what I understood from that came so many years later during this last decade of my own decade of the, of the dark of the darkness, it occurred to me that what he was talking about was that the fact that the ancestral spirit is so vast, it is so transcended, that we can give them our anger, we can give them our rage, we can blame them for any number of things we want to, but they are able to take that and they're able to recompose it. They're able to redistribute it. They can reconstitute it into an energy that becomes pristine again for us. So the only forgiveness that we are asking for is forgiving ourselves for holding on to that behavior for holding on to these angry responses, for holding on to all the buttons that get pushed. And every button, I believe that term button, is a button, of course, of a garment, but I believe that key button came from the term uh, ancestral behavioral patterns, meaning every button that can be pushed 
is tied to a cellular memory that goes back to our ancestors. And so basically, um, when those buttons are pushed and when we are out of control with our response or even in control with our response, but not the response that's going to get us, move us forward in our own field of awareness, growth or consciousness, it keeps us in a spin. It keeps it in a, in a spiraling downward moving vortex of a spin. And so we need to bring awareness to that. That's all we have to do with awareness, is when we are in that response, is just say to ourselves, I am aware that I am responding in this way again, I'm aware. But don't start to judge ourselves, don't beat yourself up, don't be guilty, don't even bother to insult the poor ancestors. What we can do, though, is say, it is okay, I am aware that I'm doing this, it's not okay, I'm not giving my okayness to my response, but I'm also not denying that it is there, nor am I condemning it. Nor. We're not giving it any of those extra energy. What we're simply doing is taking a breath and saying, while I'm this angry, I'm also aware that I'm this angry, and I'm aware that this has happened before. In fact, this happened so many times, but I'm not going to elaborate on that. I will hold this awareness and that's all we have to do before you know it you cannot have that awareness and the energy behind that anger at the same time it does dissipate it does die it does fall apart it does become ash and awareness after awareness we're able to stay so poised in awareness it doesn't right away change our behavior, but it does change it. And it does change the responses we no longer need. And it does give us a bigger fulfillment in, in our own personal expression sans those negative, destructive, and difficult pushes that create a backlash for us. I hope that this is helpful for you as it has been for me. And peace be your journey. Until next time, thank you for listening.